This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the internet. Here again is John McElroy. Welcome to our internet discussion, continuing discussion with the CTO of the Ford Motor Company, Chief Technology Officer Gerhard Schmidt, also runs all advanced engineering and research. Great to have you on this internet part. And of course, we've got Tom Murphy from Wards and Chubba Chetta from Car and Driver. But one thing we didn't get into in the broadcast version was fuels. When you guys look out at fuels, where do you come down with uh, cellulosic ethanol? And what about this algae for fuel? Have you looked into that at all? I, I want to start with some philosophical comment because we had the luxury, especially in the North American market, that we had for a long, long time only one fuel, right? It was gasoline. And we had only one combustion engine, so it was the internal combustion engine using a spark plug. And everyone is now looking for this silver bullet. I know I expected this question. What is the next big thing which covers everything? And I have to disappoint you. I think this will never come back again, these beautiful times where everything was so simple. In the future, we will have more different fuels. I think this will be for sure. Uh, we will have biofuels. We, we use, as, as well-known, um, corn for ethanol. And there's a big hope that we have this lignocellulosic uh, ethanol coming. But it's like the question with the battery. We don't know exactly how real it is, right? How mature it is. How, what is the quantity, finally, we're getting out of it? Therefore, we have to have a balance, right? We will have a 5, 10, or 15, whatever the percentage is, replacement of fossil fuel using ethanol, I, I'm pretty sure. And, and I don't know if we can fulfill a president's mandate to go up to these 37 billion gallons. It's a little challenging. Maybe we will not be able to do it. We will have other fuels, right? Uh, I don't see a great future for compressed natural gas. I think gasoline and diesel will play a role in the future. And hydrogen is this open question. I think it depends a little also on the new administration when we, when we have an energy policy which gives hydrogen a chance. Then I think there is a credible alternative also using hydrogen for fuel cells. Do you think there's a long-term market though for corn-based ethanol, which right now that's, that's kind of the, you know, the biggest driver of, of the ethanol market in the US. And, and there's a lot of controversy about you know, what that does to the food stock. And, uh, anyways. Um, you know, John mentioned the cellulosic ethanol, where you can make it out of any organic matter. Is is there a long-term market for corn-based ethanol? Yes, uh, but I wouldn't. I, I, I say yes, but I, I wouldn't um, overpromise going to the thirty-seven billion gallons. I, I think if we would be able to replace, I don't know, five or ten percent of the today's uh, fossil fuel. With, with corn based ethanol, not, not further increasing. I think it would be a credible solution. And it takes a little out the pressure of this, of this market and it gives some relief. It would help everyone. I think it, it's, it's already there, right? It's invested. We have the farmers there and we have some small industry there. I think we, sh we should give this industry a chance. And it helps overall for energy diversity, which, which is absolutely key. What, what about using ethanol in a more selective way? Uh, one of your old colleagues, Neil Ressler, is hooked up with this ethanol boosting system, in which mm -hmm. is, it's kind of like EcoBoost, only it uses port injection for gasoline and direct injection for ethanol. It's coming out of MIT, your old alma yeah, mater. Uh, John Haywood's involved with that. In fact, he was my thesis advisor way back when. Uh, but uh, the ethanol is injected only when you need to suppress the detonation. And because it has such high octane and such high heat of vaporization, it's apparently very effective. Uh, is that something you look at seriously, or are concepts like this too offbeat? No, uh, this is our key task really to stay in touch 
with different potential uh, successful concepts. Therefore, it wouldn't be a big surprise if we would not have some, some dialogue with, with this group and, and having a closer look at. Uh, at the end, it's, it's not so trivial because you have a, a, a direct injection injector and you have a port injection injector and you have a gas tank for ethanol separate and you have a gas tank for fuel separate. Therefore, it's not, not just so trivial. But compared and to diesel, it's pretty simple. No, diesel has only one tank and has only one injector, right? No, now it has a urea tank. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think there is some merit, but I always compare it then with, with the merit I would have with, with let's say, with gasoline, with uh, E25 or something like that, right? Where you also can increase your compression ratio hmm. and then uh, get also a part of the fuel economy benefits, maybe not the same, I, I, I confess. But if you make a nationwide solution, which means nationwide available E25 or whatever, uh, long term, not, not for today's engine, right? And you get some also benefits from, from a higher compression ratio and some other mm -hmm. benefits. Uh, how much did you, do, do you get more from, from such a dedicated? This is quite complicated because you have to have this E100 everywhere available where yes. you refuel your car, otherwise it doesn't work. Therefore, from the infrastructure, isn't so, so, so easy. Therefore, from the combustion process side, I agree, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. If it's feasible as a, as a mass market solution, has to be proven. Gerhard, what about lightweighting a car? I mean, you know, everybody knows if you can make a car lighter, it's going to get better fuel economy. And uh, people like Amory Lovins, who's been around, as far as I can remember, talking about mm -hmm. carbon fiber. Now but he's claims, never built a car. But he's know, never he's built a car. No, it's exactly <laughs> right. But now he's claiming that new for, or, or, uh, construction manufacturing techniques are starting to, mm -hmm. to become available. Ford has even said, I think it wants to take an average of 250 pounds out of a car, which may not sound a lot to the general audience, but I know in automotive, that, that's a huge amount of weight to take out. Can you do it with things like carbon fiber? Okay, well, maybe 250 pounds is even not enough. If you really go to challenging, then maybe you have to, to bring it down double, that means two inertia weight classes. And uh, for sure, uh, I know Emery and, and uh, his ideas. I think it's great ideas, but uh, all the studies we have made is that, that carbon fiber is still a really, really expensive solution. And also on the value curve, which I quoted already before, uh, this is not, not uh, the cheapest way to, to uh, improve the fuel economy. And then the bad guys from the airline industry taking away all these uh, uh, carbon fiber, use it there and make it even more, more, more precious. So if I don't see a, a mass production solution for uh, carbon fiber materials. I think there's a credible solution using other lightweight materials, uh, aluminum or uh, uh, compound systems, which, which some, uh, uh, some composite materials with magnesium, with aluminum, and with some high strength steel and a nice blend between uh, will be on the value curve much more uh, uh, offering advantage than, than this high-tech solution. I know for race cars and all these things it makes sense, but for, for really hundreds, thousands, millions of cars, it will take quite it, some time to, to bring the cost down. Is the problem with carbon fiber strictly the material cost or also the manufacturing cycle? Because you, know, you look at aluminum versus steel, the aluminum costs more than steel, but you can stamp it out and the piece is done quickly. Yeah. Carbon fiber, you, the, the layup, the autoclave, all of yeah. that, I mean, even if the stuff were as cheap as steel, it would be expensive because it takes a yeah. long time to meet, make each part, doesn't it? Uh, Shabba, you, you're 100% right. Uh, it, it requires a total, um, rethinking of our manufacturing processes, you wouldn't be able to do it in today's uh, infrastructure. Therefore, it's not only the technology piece which we have to solve, but I think we will be able to sort it out. 
but it's also since the transformation from a more steel and aluminum-based manufacturing facility to, to, a, to a composite uh, um, carbon fiber, this is quite a significant change, independent of the material cost. And, and uh, I don't think we have sorted out already uh, what it would, it would mean to make this transformation. And, and afterwards, we have some questions to answer uh, what is about the recycling of, mm -hmm. of uh, such types of cars. Well, there's also always the repair cost, you know, on anything like this. We uh, have a long-term Audi A8, or actually an S8, and it was in an accident, and getting it repaired uh, was pretty significant. And, uh, and this is aluminum instead of steel, of course, but it's still basically sheet metal. Carbon fiber would be basically remove and replace. And, uh, right. But if it's in the structure, that's, yeah, it has to be considered in this business. How do you keep mm -hmm. uh, cars like that fixed and running? I can ask about electronics. Um, you were the chairman of Convergence in 2004, I believe. We just concluded the Convergence conference a couple weeks ago. Did you hear anything there that's going to kind of set the electronics world on its ear? I have to confess, I was the 2004 chairman, and uh, I missed this year's because you I was, it. Yeah, I was in Asia. So for, uh, I missed this year's. So it's hard for me now to to make all these sensational uh, uh, summaries from this year's event. But I think it's more more um, I don't know continuous progress. I haven't seen some some sensational things. I think from I think the key drivers are mostly standardization, uh, autosar things which are, we covered already in 2004 and I think they're evolving and, and, and showing benefits. A, a global uh, electrical architectures at first in the companies and then spreading out over the industry making uh, use of, of different either software or hardware components. I think this is a key key driver. And Ford's been real active in the autosar initiative from what so, we can tell. No, we, we are part of it. Uh, we always were represented by Volvo as a, as a part of Ford Motor Company. We, d we don't need two members mm -hmm. uh, paying in full, right? This wouldn't be uh, this time smart and uh, cost efficient. We were always a partner of, of Autosar and we intend to be also in the future. We, we probably have to start to wrap this up, but I, I'm impressed that Ford Motor Company got to market with Sync. Mm -hmm. And no one else has yet come into market with anything like it yet. Did, did some of that work come out of uh, the, the Ford Science Labs, the advanced engineering of, of how you got sync into the car? Yeah, sure. We, we are deeply involved in, 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 in components and software packages and, 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 and the thought process in developing these things. For sure, we have a very strong partner. As you know, Microsoft, partnering with Microsoft is a great partnership with, with two strong companies. And, and I think uh, with the knowledge from from the software industry, from the Microsoft side, and, and the, our automotive experience and blending them together, I think was a good start. And it, when we talk about Ford Motor Company, maybe we didn't invent the engine, but, but we made it available for everyone. And, and this is another example. Sync was not uh, delivered first for the most expensive Lincoln. It was first delivered to the Focus, right? We make it available for everyone. And this is a little trend you will see more and more. EcoBoost is another example we make. Uh, um, let's say demanding exciting new technologies available for, for a large number of customers, not for just elite group. Well, that's probably a great point to wrap this up. But Gerhard Schmidt, thanks so much for sitting in and, and talking with us here. And Tom and Chuba, thank you guys yeah. too. And thank you who have tuned in on the web.